the simplest commercial baking resource. Brought to you by Bakerpedia and hosted by Lynn Carson with a PhD in grain sciences. Sharing knowledge and helping you grow connections. Listening to the Baked in Science podcast. Welcome to Baked in Science. I'm your host, Lynn Carson, CEO of Bakerpedia, the world's largest online depository of technical baking information. Today, I will be interviewing UC Lopanen and Carter Wands on low fodmap alternatives for the bakery. Now, as you know, Bakerpedia can't happen without sponsors. So before we start, I would like to do a shout out to Ingredion. Ingredion is a leading global ingredient solutions provider. Are you trying to develop a low FODMAP product? Ingredion's home craft line of rice and tapioca flour can help you in your baked low FODMAP product. Go to ingredion.us, that's I-N-G-R-E-D-I-O-N dot U-S, or to the link in our show notes below to learn more. Hello, users. Uh, today, we have UC Lopalan from Fraser. Is that right? Did I get yeah, that right? Okay. Yeah, Fatsel, Fatsel, yeah. Uh, UC, um, tell our users, uh, what do you do? Yeah, I'm a head of research in a Finland-based food company, Fatsel. Mm-hmm. And we are a family-owned company and we have multiple businesses. We have confectionery business, bakery business, food services business. Fatsel Lifestyle Foods is our newest business. Then we have Fatsel Food Services, mills, cafes, bakery shops, wow. <laughs> many things. And yeah. where are you headquartered? It's in Finland, close to Helsinki. Vanta oh, is the name of the city. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about um, why you're in a baking business. Is this something new for you? No, actually, it's very, very traditional for the company. So I think Fatsel started the bakery business already maybe in 60s. 60s. But for me personally, I have background in ed- education. So I... Um, I studied in the university serial technology as mm-hmm. so my major, made a master thesis on PhD work about serial technology and sourdough things. Very neat. So how yeah. long have you been working at Phaser? Uh, roughly seven and a half years. Very cool. Um, did you guys create this particular um, enzyme um, the world's first enzyme solution for low FODMAP baking? Yeah, yeah, actually it was created in my team and I maybe am the most guilty person for, <laughs> <laughs> for that. So I, I, dug, yeah. I dug right down to the source and I found you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. T- tell me why you're so passionate about this. Yeah, because... It all started basically when I came to Phaser and we had a qu- quite clear consumer insight from one consumer study that we made that there is, a, let's say, one-fifth of the consumers who are avoiding eating bread because of different kind of stomach issues that they get from eating bread. So, mm-hmm. of course, that's, that's because bakery business is big for us. So, we wanted to resolve that kind of problem and find out why they are why they are getting these problems like in their bloating 
uh, stomach pain, discomfort feelings. And then, yeah, it was obvious. And then we didn't basically have a solution, but then we started to research. And at least now we have a couple of solutions for the problem. That's great. So how many years have you um, been working on this before you launched this product? I would say that quite exactly seven years ago, we started. And uh, roughly two years ago, we launched our first rice sourdough bread that is based on this, basically, this low FODMAP sourdough. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this autumn, we launched this enzyme that is, again, based on the sourdough that we developed. So this is a, um outcome of uh, sourdough research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I mean that yeah. that makes a lot of sense because in my uh, journey with uh, eating bread and meeting people, I've just gotten this feedback that a lot of people um, have been able to digest sourdough bread better than the normal white bread. And um, and you, you can read my blog too at uh, eatbread90.com. Uh, on how some people complain that they can't um, digest pen bread, you know, properly it gives them troubles. But if they, they 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 consume a bread that's been fermented for 36, 48 hours, it actually um, uh, they actually have no problems with it. So I think this is this is where you know you went in and picked up the solution of um, the FODMAP enzyme. And um, now we are able to implement it in a typical pan bread. Is, am I right? Yeah, that's basically the story. And I would say also that uh, I have heard also that many of the consumers, they, can, they cannot eat, let's say, normal wheat bread. But if it's sourdough fermented, long fermentation, so then they kind of don't get the problems that they get from the straight dough bread that's true but I, I would also say that there is big differences between different sourdoughs because we have also done some research on that and in some sourdough types there can actually be also formation of some some uh, compounds that can also induce some of the stomach problems so mm-hmm. it's not so clear but it depends on the sourdough type and we were successful in developing this very specific sourdough that harbors a lactobacilli strain that really, really fast and efficiently gets rid of FODMAP compounds that are causing all kinds of problems for people. So Phaser has a LOFO, L-O-F-O, improver, yep. which allows people uh, to uh, consume uh, bread that and 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 um, people with IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, um, allows them to consume bread without having symptoms or still have symptoms but very low level. Yeah, the, it's it's the let's say the low FODMAP diet. It's quite uh, it's not a simple thing. So. I think that there is highly individual differences among people. Some of them can, for instance, eat maybe one slice of wheat bread in a day without any symptoms. 
But let's say that with our solution, we are able to decrease the amount of FODMAP compounds in wheat bread, for instance, substantially. And as a consequence, these uh, people who normally can eat only one slice of bread, they maybe now can eat three slices of wheat bread in a day. Oh, so see. that's, a, that's okay. kind of a tolerance issue also. Okay. So um, how does your... Uh, phaser low fold improver how much um, fold net does it reduce uh, it, I would say it depends very much about the dosage that you are using but the, let's say the basic concept that, that we are kind of advertising is that if you add one percent of the improver low fold improver to the bread making then you will get rid of more than 50 percent of the fold maps during the normal baking process. But of course, if you okay. increase the yeah, if you increase the dosage, you are able to get rid of let's say 85%, 90%, but but it's not always good to get rid of everything because still the let's say the FODMAPs of wheat and rye, they are also kind of healthy substances for the gut microbiota. So you don't want to get rid of everything. That's true. That's yep. true. Now, um, the limited amount of um, background I have in biochemistry, but enough to understand what enzymes do. Basically, enzymes work on substrates and clip them and make them smaller. So when bakers use this uh, improver at 3%, and that's pretty high, um, I'm sure that's quite a bit of clipping going on um, in, in reducing large molecular weight sizes into smaller molecular weight sizes. Does that affect the rheology at all and how it makes, how it process, how it proves and how it bakes out? Uh, basically, it doesn't because this enzyme is very specific to the fructans, fructans of wheat and rye. Mm -hmm. And the fructans are kind of the FODMAP compounds of wheat and rye. So this enzyme is very specifically degrades only fructan. And the fructan doesn't play a role in dough rheology or the, okay. the, let's say the baking quality. So basically you get a very similar bread that you would get without the enzyme. So the taste and aroma doesn't change and also the texture and structure doesn't change. So basically, so basically there's no change in water absorption or um, mixing time. I mean, that's all no, really what no. Baker really cares about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it, that's maybe the point in, in this innovation that it's so convenient to use by the baker. So they just add it to the formulation and then they bake as usually and they are able to produce a low FODMAP bread. That's true. Just um, using their normal practices. Right. And how about taste? Does it affect taste? No. No, so maybe it's not sweeter or browns faster. Uh, maybe it can actually bring a little bit more color to the crust. Okay, but that's quite marginal, I would say. Very good. Um, so, in your app, in your usage application of this, which part of the baking process does it actually activate? Does it activate in the mixer, um, you know, or fermentation, or proofer, or or or, or oven?
Can you hear me now? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there was like half a minute stoppage in the streaming. So my question is, where does the enzyme work in the baking process? Does it work in the mixer, uh, the proofer, or the oven? Yeah, we have, of course, studied a lot of this, the enzyme, let's say, properties. And if you add it during mixing already, the enzyme basically starts working there because it has, it's active and it's operating between 20 degrees and until 70 degrees. So it basically, it can operate during the mixing, during the dores, during the proofing at 37 degrees of Celsius, then also maybe during the first stages of baking because the enzyme still can work at 70 degrees of Celsius. So, wow. yeah. So there is quite nicely time for the enzyme to operate. Right. So um, I have a question for you. If someone uses a sponge and dough process, which is pretty popular here in the U.S., um, where the sponge sits for uh, four to six hours, does this enzyme go into the sponge phase or does it go into the final mixing phase? I would put it in the sponge phase because there is a plenty of time for the enzyme to operate. So you really can have an... With the lower dosage, you can have even a big effect to the FODMAP compounds, I would, I That's would interesting. think. Yeah, and it depends, of course, the temperature that you keep the sponge at. Yeah. What is the typical temperature in sponge? Um, usually about um, 85 to 95 sometimes, degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. I'm an <laughs> system here, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, you know, and, and that's, that to me is, is a great opportunity for, yeah, for the enzyme to start working at the, the, the sponge stage and, and continue working throughout the entire process. Um, how about for people like um, frozen dough or refrigerated doughs? Can your uh, improver be used in those situations as well? We haven't actually studied if it like tolerates freezing temperatures and is able to activate again when you take the dough to the room temperature, for instance. Correct. So that we actually don't know. Okay. But I would think that in the, let's say, um, cold room temperatures, the enzyme, it's not operating too actively. Right. So it should be at least like room temperature. Okay. Um, so I have another question on a non-bread application because we have users that are non-bread bakers. They are cake, you know, muffin, cupcakes, you know, cookies. Um, for instances like that, would this improver work at all? I mean, we don't have any fermentation time. I mean, processing time, processing time is pretty short. So... Yeah, maybe those kind of processes, they are not optimal for the enzyme because the enzyme basically it would require some water, some, some, some level of hydration, and then also That's some true. time to operate. Yeah. But if you're thinking, for instance, cracker type of biscuits, then it's a different thing because in crackers you could use actually longer fermentation times but it really yeah. depends on the pros actually i found another alternative and i'm going to be interviewing him later on in the podcast okay to be using such applications um 
is there any kind of shelf life effect since you're working with the fractons? I would say no, as far as we have observed. So I don't, I don't know that the fructans would would influence the shelf life of the wheat bread that much. So I w- I would say that there is no no influence on the shelf life. Great. Um, do you have any kind of um, contact here in the U.S. that we can reach out to if we need samples? Yeah, we we launched this spread improver in uh, IBA fair, IBA fair in Munich just one and a half a month ago. Correct. So there we got lots of interest also from US and now our mill and mixes business people, they are having discussions, of course, with the different geographical locations. And I think the US is one of the one of the markets that showed showed quite nice interest towards this enzyme. So I think that it will be available in the future, hopefully in the US. So we will let you know when we know if if there will be a distributor or somebody who can tell you more right. about the enzyme using right. US. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing your products on the market. I think it's very revolutionary and um, I think it will open up um, the bread market to a lot of people. So good luck in your journey and thank you. Um, let, let us know how we can help. Yep. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. Hey, are you trying to replace milk because it's a high FODMAP ingredient? Try Accent. It's a calcium fortification ingredient that will give your baked product a boost in your calcium content. Did you know that you can get the same calcium as in a glass of milk in one sandwich roll by using Accent? To get a sample of Accent, contact Delaval at delavalfood.com. That's D-E-L-A-V-A-U-F-O-O-D.com. Hello, Carter. Hello, Lynn. How are you? How is it going down in Australia? Oh, it's going pretty well. Just uh, started the summer, so heating up. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah I'm forgetting you guys there? have uh, hot Christmases. <laughs> yeah, it's, you, you never get used to it. You right, so do you guys have like those like, you know, Christmas goodies, like, you know, pumpkin cookies, pumpkin pies and, you know. Pumpkin pies, no. not that thing. Oh, no, no. no. Yeah, exactly. Any pies? Do you guys make any pies? Oh, yeah, definitely make pies and stuff like that. Probably the most popular pie here is a lunchtime snack, a meat pie. (laughs) And those are really good. Those are really good, yeah. (laughs) Very cool. Hey, um, Carter, can you tell our audience uh, where you're from and what do you do in Manildra? Well, I'm originally from Kansas City, but I'm currently in Sydney, Australia, and I'm a product development um, mm-hmm. for Manildra in the bakery sector, but I've also dabbled in meat, ice cream, and other areas, but um, 90% is in bakery. And uh, what is your area of expertise at Manildra? Uh, my area of expertise... Uh, 
at a broad spectrum, it would be bakery, but currently right now focusing on uh, low FODMAP products and stuff like that. And I've been working the majority of my time with that. Yes, I know um, clearly based on our conversation earlier this year that there was a large population of people affected by FODMAP in Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, have you done any research for the population in the U.S.? Uh, in the U.S., um, the statistics are openly available, but the amount of people um, that require a low FODMAP diet are those suffering with IBS or any intolerances. Um, it's around 15 to 20%. What is the actual number to that? Uh, I believe in the U.S. it's around uh, um, it's around 15 or 16. Um, it's around a million that. people. Yeah, so a, a, de a decent... Huge. A decent, a decent amount of people that it, that need to start enjoying uh, regular bread. <laughs> right. So currently, we're talking about a market that is unserved. Am I right? Uh, yeah, in America, yeah, um, it's definitely um, on the forefront here in Australia because um, they were the pioneers of this. Um, right. So the U.S. market um, really hasn't seen anything like this. Like. Um, currently, besides uh, my product, which is um, just been recently launched in High V, all four ranges, um, gluten free is the only option at the moment um, in terms of uh, bread products. Oh, that is not a very good option. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so, I guess, you know, if you're not celiac, the next step to go is a low FODMAP uh, uh, diet. Um, what does uh, your company have to offer in terms of low FODMAP products for bakers? Uh, for bakers, we, um, well, currently here in Australia, we're at Baker's Delight, a franchise. They have multiple um, for people in the U.S. that are somewhat similar to Panera Bread. Mm -hmm. um, and they have uh, low FODMAP uh, loaves that are, that are already made up, baked fresh in the store. And currently in Australia at the two major retailers being Coles and Woolworths. We have a low, uh, our Lofo pantry. Um, it is uh, just a, um, it's a baker's flour, a bread flour, um, can be used in multiple applications. We have heaps of recipes on our websites that's for it. So we can offer that for bakers. And in the U.S., we currently have, um, as I said, launched in High V. Um, we're um, about to launch in Albertsons East, and we're in talks with other stores. Um, so pretty exciting. But in High V, we have our whole range, which is uh, the bread flour, uh -huh. uh, all-purpose flour, um, a bread flour with seeds, so it's just added seeds into it to make seeded products such as rolls, seeded breads, seeded pizza bases, and a baking mix which has other ingredients added in such as salt, oil, um, raising agents. So um, it's sort of like a premix, but you can make anything from a salty biscuit uh, or a scone um, to a, a nice cracker or a chocolate chip cookie, uh, lemon, lemon ice cupcakes. You can, yeah, a lot of stuff with it. Very neat. Um, Is there any kind of restriction when it comes to baking with low FODMAP flour? 
Um, yes, there are definitely restrictions. And um, in the recipes that we offer on our website, we actually put, because these have all been tested uh, by FODMAP Friendly um, here in Australia, all of our recipes. And we actually have the serving sizes uh-huh. and the amount that you can eat for each recipe that um, and this is for the lowest le- acceptable level of FODMAPs because some people in this diet, they have different restrictions. It's not like something like c- celiac disease or an allergy where um, it's just like full stop. You can't have it. Like some you can have a little bit, some you can have moderate, and that's how it works out. But we, just to be safe, we have the lowest amount that is acceptable um, for the person who has the highest intolerance. Okay. Have you guys partnered with any uh, medical institution on um, these products? Um, Currently, no, we haven't uh, partnered with any medical institution, but um, we have had a longstanding partnership with FODMAP Friendly here in Australia, and they also have products all over the world, including the U.S., um, and we have their seal on our loaf and baker's delight um and on all our products that are in australia and america and having their logo um it's not like a health claim but their logo is saying this product has been tested is acceptable and it's recognized by um fda fazans um and all the other health boards around the world so just a question on that does fda actually um have a um ruling on this um currently at the moment uh no they do not um but um it's that's the tricky thing with it because this isn't um it's not really like a gluten-free thing or really like that um um it's not even like totally recognized um, in Fizan's because like I said, there's different tolerances and stuff like that. Uh It's not like gluten-free where you have to have a certain parts per million um, for it to be acceptable to be a gluten-free product. Right. So um, is it safe to say that here in the U.S. we are quite a few steps behind in identifying this um, as a as a food um food trend let's have food trend or um what do you what would we call this um uh, uh intolerance uh yeah um well i've actually heard from uh multiple mates in the states that have ivs and have been messaging me on facebook texting me whatsapp just asking what is this like can you send me samples and everything? So I don't like to talk down about the place where I'm from, but uh, the U.S. may, may be a couple steps behind. But uh, because uh, what doctors recommend right now, um, they only recommend uh, in um, the U.S. Usually they just recommend a, a strict uh, gluten-free diet. But it's not just gluten-free. We're just helping out with the bakery side. This could be... Uh, lactose-free milk and a bunch of stuff like apricots can't right. eat them and so this is just way beyond just bakery um and yeah um it's you it, the mo- best way to do it um like uh the head of the celiac boards even said um that when she has patients come to her complaining about them having celiac disease or gluten intolerance uh-huh. um she tests them for IBS. 
Wow. Because that is obviously, you know, by statistics, you have less than 1% to around 15 to 20% of the world have IBS. So it's a lot more likely they have um, irritable bowel syndrome than celiac disease. That's true. Have you talked to anyone personally who actually has IBS and consumed the products that you make? Um, Actually, that's probably one of the coolest things that I've had to have. I went to the Dietitians Association um, of Australia conference, talked to people there, um, and they've just been telling me how tough it is. And now they tell me, um, like, I can finally enjoy regular bread again. And I'm just like you. I love bread. So I'm like, oh, that's that's so awesome. I've gotten phone calls um, just from people calling calling our call center saying, hey, can I talk to a guy who's been working on this flower? And they just call me, no complaints or anything, just to say thank you. And that. Oh, that's like a dream job. <laughs> yeah, dream it's, job. It's, it's, it's honestly not what I expected. Uh, baking in Schellenberger Hall and Krishak class. I didn't expect to get thank yous from people for what I was baking. But um, yeah, it's the coolest thing ever. And uh uh, it's it's just so awesome knowing that um, I I just can make an impact on someone and they and when they reach out to me, yeah, like you said, that it's it's really awesome. It, so when you bake um, bake with low fat mat flour, do you have to add more gluten? Um, uh, actually, the our um, flour. Um, uh, is actually uh, higher in protein um, than standard baker's or bread flour. Okay. And even our all-purpose, depending on where you're living um, in the world, is can actually be on par with baker's or higher um, higher than it. But um, so, so the answer is no. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to add more gluten. Bread the bakers flat- out there, and they're going to be wondering, how is this going to affect the rheology of my bread? What's the, how is it affecting, you know, water absorption and mixing times and things like that, yeah. you know? Yeah, that, that's the, that's the um, biggest thing that I tell um, customers, people buying the product, that it's nothing like gluten-free flour. You just have to play a, a around with the liquids. So it's just, okay. it's just like baking with any normal flour. Like right. a, a recipe can say you add this much water, but 75% of the time you got to play around with that water yeah. amount. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, I'm I'm a total bread freak, right? So I love uh, my I bread. Could, I, I never knew this. <laughs> I, know. I never talk about it. <laughs> but um, have you ever used the low format flour in sourdough products that has long uh, fermentation? Uh, no, we have not tried that yet. But that is something I'm currently looking at right now. Um, right, so and- you. You, you produce a good one, you know who to send it to, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Yeah, I'm currently looking I at that. I eat like the first, the world's first low fat mat ciabatta. Okay, okay, definitely. I'll, I'll work on there. that. I'll work on that for you. <laughs> if, you, if, you if you do that, you know, I, I will like give you free airtime. And we would have to reach out to all the bakers out there who bakes ciabatta to see if they can do this. Because I feel like, you know, with a really high water absorption um, system like ciabatta, it's always like the, the, the upper 
you know, the upper limits on how you can push a breath system. It's like, I put it through a ciabatta and I see how it performs as a ciabatta, you know? Yeah. Um, so if you ever do that, I'll be more than happy to take a look at it for you. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'll definitely, I'll definitely send it your way. I'll definitely now, let you I have know. a question for you. Um, you sell, you, you sell a special kind of a low fat mat flour. Is there no way that people can make this low fat mat flour at home? Uh, no, they can't. Even through and long we, fermentation we, times? No, they cannot. And we also, of acids. we also have a patent on that. So, so <laughs> just checking. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, no, no. And if you could, I wouldn't tell, but no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just checking to see how easy or, or difficult it is to just do it on your own, you know? Um, yeah. it's always a challenge to try to understand something new and what we are presenting here is absolutely something new to bakers here in the U S and they will definitely, you know, be uh, knocking on your door and asking for samples and asking how to bake for this. And, um, so is there any other special aspect to this low format flour that we haven't covered? Um, no, just uh, really, um, yeah, if you're, um, if you stop by Hy-Vee or soon if you stop by Albertsons East and then other stores that I'm not at liberty to talk about that are looking into it, um, if you stop by them, try it, buy our whole range, actually, buy our whole range. We're buy talking all- about Australia, right? Oh, um, in Australia, in Australia, go to, go to Woolworths. Oh, okay. um, go or Woolies as they say go to Woolies or Coles and um try out our um try out our baker's flour and our bread bread flour and then um if you're in the U.S. you can try out our bread flour our bread flour with seeds our baking mix and our all-purpose flour and um like the name suggests the all-purpose flour will work with um goods that are baked with lower protein and then the bread flour will work with higher protein goods right so this this podcast is going to be produced before the holidays so people can finally eat pies Oh, definitely. I, I, already have, I already have recipes with pies. I yeah. already have a pumpkin pie recipe. Awesome, right awesome. Yeah, um, we'll we'll share it below in the links. Yeah, definitely. Recipe with low fontnet flour. Uh, and you say that uh, bakers in the U.S. can now contact Maniodra USA for samples? Uh, yes, they can. Okay. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for stopping by today, Carter. Thank you. I wish very you much. all the success in low fat map baking. Thank you very much, and I'll send you that ciabatta, Fred, when I get that. <laughs> Here's the last word from our sponsor, Grain Millers. With a wide range of oat and corn flour in their product line, this low fat map flour are ideal for your next product development project. View their offerings and contact Grain Millers today at grainmillers.com. That's G R A I N M I L L E R S.com. One more thing before we end please like, comment, and subscribe to Baked Insights. Till the next episode, bakers, you can bake it. You can bake low FODMAP a success.